Welcome to the Sexy Biz Babe podcast. I'm your host, Tia Lin, a business empowerment coach and motivational speaker. This show is for the high achieving woman who wants it all. Each week, I walk you through how to own your power, generate consistent leads, attract clients, and close sales with ease and confidence. It's time to make money doing what you love. Let's dive in. Wow, oh wow. This episode has a lot of amazing information in it. We talk about orgasm gap, why women fake orgasms, and the main reasons why, and we get into a lot of ways to improve your sex life, your pleasure, and a lot of science behind it. So let's dive in. All right, my sexies, I'm really excited to have this amazing guest on today, Lori Mintz, and she is a professor, author, speaker, and therapist. She's done a TED Talk, and her life's work has been dedicated to helping people live more authentic, joyful, meaningful, and sexually satisfying lives through the art and science of psychology. So I'm excited to have her on. We're going to be talking about becoming cliterate, what that is, and pretty much having better sex and more pleasure in your life, and kind of debunking some of the myths that we've been brought up with pleasure and sex. So go ahead and introduce yourself, Lori, and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, thanks. I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me. So you've already said I'm a professor at the University of Florida, where I have an on the honor I love I get to teach about 170 students in a class called the Psychology of Human Sexuality every semester, and it's really a lot of fun. I'm also a licensed psychologist and a certified sex therapist, and I've written two books, both aimed at empowering women sexually, A Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex, which is really written for women who say, I've lost my desire and Becoming Cliterate, Why Orgasm Equality Matters and How to Get It, which is written to both close the orgasm gap at a cultural level and also empower individual women to orgasm and educate men. There's a chapter called You Don't Have to Have a Clitoris to Be Cliterate and to educate men about women's most reliable route to orgasm as well. Awesome. Those are both amazing subjects that we will talk about more on this episode, both of them. I'm like, yes, yes. We need to have more men understand what a clitoris is and how to give us pleasure. And then also take our power back as women when we're not feeling sexual or getting satisfied. I ultimately think many women kind of push that on other people where we have a lot of ownership in this and we can, you know, learn more about ourselves and our bodies and how to speak up. So first of all, I'd like to dive into what is being clitorate? Okay. So the clitoris, and I'm actually wearing an, uh, a necklace in the shape of a clitoris. Um, the the clitoris is women's most sensitive orgasmic organ and it's analogous to the penis okay not the vagina is not analogous to the penis it's the clitoris and the vulva and so becoming clitorate is knowing about your clitoris knowing about your vulva knowing about your body but it's even bigger than that it's being empowered to say 
this is how I want my clitoris stimulated to not fake orgasm during intercourse, to feel proud of your body. Um, so being clitorate is about being sexually empowered. Ooh, I love that. Ah, okay, we're going to cover this sooner than I expected, but so many women have admitted to faking that they orgasmed. Yep, and 70%. 70? Did you say 70? Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I had to share that stat with you. The research okay. shows that 70% of women say they faked orgasm. Okay, we're going to cover this first. Oh, so why do you think that is that 70% of women will fake an orgasm? So I can tell you not only what I think, I can tell you what this research shows because I'm also identify as a scientist, you know. The research shows that women give three reasons for faking orgasm. First, to not appear abnormal because we still have so many false images of women orgasming from penetration alone, which is not accurate, or to appease their partner's egos because men think they should give a woman an orgasm by thrusting hard and lasting long, or because sex is uncomfortable and they want it to end. Those are the okay. top three reasons women fake orgasms. Or they just want it to end. Like they right. want it to be done. But I've heard and I've seen like DMs and people that they say, because I'm nice. What do you have to say about that? I don't think you're doing anyone any favors by faking by faking, you are teaching your partner to do exactly what doesn't work for you. So it's not nice to you and it's not nice for him. I mean, the truth, the truth, even if it's, and you know, unfortunately, we have so much shame and misinformation around women's pleasure and what's good. So you think you're being nice, but all you're doing is training your partner to not give you an orgasm. And if you break up with that partner, you've also trained him to not give the next woman an orgasm as well. Yeah, I almost think it's a disservice to women. So it's instead of thinking you're being nice, thinking you're actually harming the next woman that he's with, thinking he's all macho and amazing and he's great at it. And if you are, you know, partners together, Maybe it's nice in your opinion, you know, for that moment and he feels good about himself, but down the line, if this is your long-term partner and then ultimately you stop wanting sex because you're sick of faking it and you're not getting any pleasure, it will ultimately hurt your relationship, your sex drive, and ultimately he will have less sex because you will not want it. Yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve anyone. But I think that that idea, and I, I think that's very interesting, actually. I've not heard that, that women say it's because they're being nice. But I think that goes along with that reason of appeasing his ego, right? Like, it's nice to make him feel good about himself, but you're making him good, feel good about yourself, himself with false information. Why not make him feel good about himself by having him, teaching him actually how to give you an orgasm? Yeah. And then feel it. There's energy in it. Like once you understand yourself and you can speak up or guide them to what you really love. Ooh, it's juicy. It's sexy. When you're feeling good and they're feeling good, there's energy that's within that. It's so amazing and they can feel it and it will pump them up. It will make them happy. 
Yeah. And unfortunately, I think we need a cultural change, right? Mm -hmm. Because like people think they're being nice by faking and men think that they're being a good lover by doing exactly the wrong thing. And a lot of it's because we have lousy sex ed where we don't teach people the truth. So people are getting their you know, they're modeling from porn, from movies that don't show the truth about women's pleasure. Yeah, I would love to talk about that a little bit more. So when I was younger and I first started having sex, I did think something was wrong with me. I was like, oh, I just don't orgasm. I don't, I don't really get there. And I just thought, I think, I think I just thought that it was, you know, from penetration and I didn't know what was wrong with me. So what do you tell those women that think there's something wrong with them? Nothing is wrong with you. I've had so many women say, I think my vagina's broken. It's so sad, right? I mean, it was sad for you. Like, because you, if all you have is movies and there's very little fooling around, he puts his penis in your vagina and you're like, you see an instant orgasm, which in reality would result in pain, not an orgasm. Then, you know, you're going to think when you aren't enjoying what you've seen women enjoy in the movies, something's wrong with you. So we need to spread the real knowledge far and wide. And we need to call out these false images. They're false images. And we got to have better sex ed. So people are learning the truth about sexual pleasure rather than getting false images from the media. Yeah. So what are some of those false uh, stats and false images? I know for one, for me, it was that there's only one way to orgasm. Because I personally still, as a an older adult, I orgasm in different ways. And it took me years to figure that out. Like, it's not that movie scene where it's just like, you come. Like, I orgasm with like my, my you know, more clitoral orgasm. It's not so much liquid coming out like a guy. Or squirting is also a different way. But there's all these different ways to orgasm. So what would you tell people? Like, what should they research and what types of orgasms? Oh, that's a lot of questions. We'll just start. Where would you like to start? (laughs) Well, first of all, I want to talk about this whole, there's different ways to orgasm. Mm. Um, There are different um, places to stimulate to bring someone to orgasm. You might want your clitoris stimulated or your breasts or whatever. But what I want to point out is it's only when it comes to women's orgasms do we say, oh, there's all these different kinds and label them by the point of stimulation, which there's nothing inherently wrong with that except when we say, well, this is the best way, which is Mm. the message we give. We don't do that with men's. We don't say, did you have a blowjob orgasm or an intercourse (laughs) orgasm or handjob orgasm? It's only when it comes to women's orgasms. But physiologically, all orgasms are the same. What they are is blood for men and for women. They're blood flowing into the erectile tissue. We have erectile tissue in our vulva and clitoris. They have it in their penis. It gets trapped. It builds up to this point of intensity. And then it's released with rhythmic contractions of the pelvic floor. So different people stimul- you know, can have orgasms from different types of stimulation. 
But for women, what is really important to know is that 96% of us need some type of clitoral stimulation to experience orgasm. Yes. And I love that you shared what an orgasm is because I probably was having orgasms when I was younger or I you know, was very close, but I didn't know because I didn't have the liquid secreting like a man. And that was probably one of the biggest things. And yeah. 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 Do you know how squirting is filmed in porn? So, okay, let's cover that. And this is what I've heard. So yes, I want to hear. Okay. So first, not some women ejaculate, some don't. It's not this big thing. And it's really one of those, like, let your body do what it does. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But what it is, it, when it when it does happen, it's liquid coming out of the urethra, okay, not the vagina. And in porn, what they do is they take a bunch of liquid, they fill the vagina until the woman can't hold it anymore, and then they run off and 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 you know film it. They go okay, yeah. and it's it's fake. It is fake yeah. in porn. And now there's a lot of women running around thinking I should squirt, and it's really. If you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. It's different bodies do different things. And there's nothing, there's no ideal to strive for. That's really important to know. Yeah. And I just wish I listened to what you're talking about earlier on, because I just didn't orgasm in that way that was liquid pouring out of me. But it's so funny because now I am a squirter. I am a, I am a squirter once I learned how to do it. And that's how I get a feeling of a little bit different release. But it's funny because I felt shame for also squirting once I got to that point. Because I was like, am I peeing? Is this pee? Oh my gosh. And I was so worried. I would literally get on the bed and like smell it. But I always had to go to the bathroom after and actually pee. And I was like, okay, this isn't pee. I can't pee this many times. But it's funny because I had... I had shame, sexual shame, both sides when I didn't. And then when I did. So it was really interesting. Right. Women just often feel shame no matter what. Right. That's like the message that you're giving. Like we feel shame when we do this, then we shame, feel shame when we do the opposite. Yeah. It's really sad. So I'm glad you're not feeling shame anymore. Oh, not anymore. I'm very, very happy with (laughs) how far I've come. So for women who feel like something's wrong with them what would you tell them to start doing educate yourself listen to podcasts like this read books and don't follow social media people who are making shit up and anyone can get on social media and say anything follow people who are educated there's people who have phds in in sexology you know read their books follow them um, you can read my book, Becoming Clitorate. You can read Emily Nagowski's book, Come As You Are. There's a great book by Paul Joannidis called The Guide to Getting It On. Educate yourself and you'll learn that you're fine. It's culture that's broken, but you're fine. I love that. That's what I did. I just started reading and listening and trying new things. And yeah. Even if somebody's just listening to this episode, you're on the right path. So congrats. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, and then when you said porn is a lie, oh my goodness, it is. The fact is that so much of 
the media, society, movies, books, just skip women's pleasure as we were growing up. I remember being like, I'm never ready that quick into sex. And they also make it too fantasy, too perfect, where we have this big, perfect, like, light candles, everything goes perfectly. There's no like bumps or queefs or weird shit that happens when you're actually having sex. You could giggle, you could laugh, like so many things, right? You should. Should be fun. You know, no one talks in porn. Everybody knows what to do. Everybody orgasms. You know, everybody's body is perfect. Nobody's, you know, making noises or you know, or how about the scene where they, you know, maybe this isn't porn so much, but they like, put, they take a table, right? And they swipe everything off. And oh, yeah. Sex. You know what? That would hurt. Like, you're supposed to be in a bed, not on a hard table. I mean, it's just such, it is such a fantasy and most porn, but not all. There's more and more female oriented porn and ethical porn. But a lot of porn is done from the male gaze perspective, mm-hmm. the male fantasy. And it's it may be entertaining, but it's not education. Do not get your education and role modeling from porn. Yeah, I I mean, that's what I used to learn how to do a blowjob. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know how to give a blowjob. What do I do? And I went and looked at porn. But then I think I also looked up like articles, but... I was I was very intimidated. So what would you say to people who want to learn now? They now's different though. So what would you say? I'd say talk to your partner. Yes. Your partner to show you what they like and teach you. Um and if you want, you really want to read something, the the book Passionista by Ian Kerner is the best one. He's got a PhD, he's a sex therapist. He read that book. Yes, I love that. Oh, and I do have an episode on how <laughs> to enjoy giving a great blowjob. So that one is all about keeping the pleasure of you even giving a blowjob, which I think it's doable. And I remember I used to not like blowjobs until I learned how to enjoy it for myself, which ultimately makes your partner feel good too, because you're having fun. And it's also okay if you don't like it. Like, that's okay, too, right? I mean, I think if you learn to enjoy it and you do, that's great. But I also want to, like, the message I want to give is whatever you like and enjoy, experiment. But, you know, stretch your boundaries, but never do anything that you find aversive. And here's a tip for enjoying it. You can also hold a vibrator to your vulva while you give a blowjob so that you're also experiencing some genital sensation and pleasure. Honestly, that even takes my pleasure to the next level is doing those two things at once. So I really love that. Yes, ladies, definitely give that a try. It's great. And it makes you enjoy yourself, kind of get your mind off of the task. And you kind of just, in my opinion, I submit more because I'm like enjoying myself more so I can give more as well. So I love that tip. Um, I had a few questions. Let's see where we were at. What are some more of those stats about women reaching orgasm without penetration? I'd love to hear those. Okay. So the old literature said that only 30% of women orgasmed from intercourse, but those studies 
they just said, do you orgasm from intercourse? Mm. So if somebody had one orgasm from intercourse, they might say, you know, yes. So then the newer research asks, can you orgasm from penetration alone without getting your clitoris stimulated? And only 15 to 18% of women say yes. Wow. Yeah. And so, and then I started thinking, well, even the question kind of pulls for a yes, because we think we're supposed to orgasm that way. So in research that I've conducted about with like 10,000 women across many, many years, um, I would ask, what's your most reliable route to orgasm? And only 4% say penetration alone. 4%. Yes. See, I love that you clarified this. Yeah. So the rest say either clitoral stimulation alone or clitoral stimulation combined with penetration. And here's another stat that I think really underscores that penetration is not women's most reliable route to orgasm. Less than 2% of women pleasure themselves with penetration alone. Less than 2%. Yet, would they use external stimulation either alone or combined with penetration yet they get with the male partner and they think oh i should orgasm that way so we really need to stop the most essential step to having an orgasm with a partner essential but underutilized advice is get the same type of stimulation alone i mean with a partner as you do alone i mean if you think about it the way men masturbate, it mm-hmm. resembles intercourse. The way women masturbate, it doesn't resemble intercourse at all. What would you tell or advise the men that they feel that when a woman has a vibrator, it makes them less than, it makes them that they're not needed? Okay, so I love this question. I'm so glad you asked. So first of all, vibrators do not replace partners. They still have not made one that laughs, cuddles, says I love you. All they do is provide a really good type of stimulation. I'm wearing vibrator earrings to illustrate this. There are special receptacles on the vulva that respond to vibration. They're found nowhere else in the human body but the vulva and the penis. So if you take a vibrator on your arm, it's not gonna feel the same as on your vulva. And there's special receptors. And we know that women, the science shows that women who use vibrators have more frequent, powerful orgasms and that a man's acceptance of a partner's vibrator use is correlated, related to her sexual satisfaction. So it also frees men up because if your partner is using her vibrator, you're not going to have to worry about lasting long and thrusting hard. You can just enjoy yourself, number one. Number two, the penis has vibrator receptors too. So if your partner has the vibrator down there while your penis is hanging out, you're going to catch some vicarious vibrations. And finally, here's a metaphor for this that I use in my book that I really want to share. If you were swimming in the swimming pool and you were with your partner and there was a raft in the pool and you were jumping off the raft and on the raft and 
you know, kissing on the raft, kissing in the water, you wouldn't go home and call your girlfriend and go, oh, my raft and I had the best day. (laughs) Oh, my partner was there too. You wouldn't even mention the raft because it was just a tool to enhance the experience you shared. And the same is true of a vibrator. Yes. Oh, you put that so eloquently. I'm going to post this everywhere. Because yes, it's just a tool and it just adds to the experience that sometimes it's hard for us to orgasm and it helps. And then for any women, I would say, I don't know, I'd like to hear what you say, but I try not to rely on the vibrator, but use it as an addition. And I've heard in the past what hurt the men is that they would kind of discard them over time where they would have sex and then they're just like, oh, I'll just finish with my orga- my vibrator. Whereas like maybe you could make it more fun together and like add it as an addition and not that it's replacing them in some way. Do you have anything to say about that? I think if you need your vibrator to orgasm, then take it with into partner sex, but make it a tool you share. You're, you're, you can use your vibrator to orgasm. Maybe your partner's touching your breasts. Maybe they're also touching. Um, so I think that, that that we shouldn't have some pressure of only use it this way, only use it that way. If your vibrator is your most reliable route to orgasm and you want to orgasm with a partner, bring your vibrator along, but make your partner part of the action or show your partner how to use it, et cetera. Yeah, which is why it's great when you're doggy style and you're using the vibrator and they're penetrating you and you're also still feeling good. See, it's a win-win situation. Oh, situation. So, you know, have fun with it with your partner. And, oh, I love that. So what got you into doing this? I'd love to hear. Well, I'm a licensed psychologist. I see couples and individuals I have for years I've been in practice for over 30 some years. As I said, I teach at the University of Florida. And a lot of times I would ask my clients, like, do you have sexual problems to discuss? And pretty typically they'd say yes. And had you not asked me directly, I would have been ashamed to tell you. And so that's kind of where I started. And then in terms of my book, I mean, when I was talking to my students, it was their experience that really inspired me. They were, it wasn't just a stat to them, the orgasm gap. They were in pain about it. They felt Mm -hmm. broken. Mm -hmm. And so I started teaching a lot in the class to women's pleasure. And I would get notes like, thanks to your class, I'm orgasmic. Thanks to your class, my Mm -hmm. girlfriend's orgasmic. And that's when I thought, I got to write this up for the people outside of my classroom. And that's when I wrote Becoming Clitorate. Awesome. So, I'm not sure if we completely covered this, but what is the orgasm gap? So the orgasm gap is the consistent finding in the literature that when cisgender women and cisgender men get it on, the women are having way fewer orgasms than the men. It's biggest in hookup sex, massive. It gets smaller with second time hookups, friends with benefits, but even in relationship sex, the men are having more orgasms than the women. And faster. I think it was that men can have an orgasm. I can't remember what the time was, but it took women about 15 to 17 minutes. That's not the gap. The gap is the gap is the orgasm gap is the 
the frequency of the orgasms. What you're talking about is how long it takes women and men to orgasm. I mean, and what we know is when alone, women orgasm in four minutes, when alone, men orgasm in four minutes, pretty much. Okay. When with a partner, it usually takes men anywhere about three to six minutes from putting his penis in the vagina to orgasm. Mm -hmm. And women, a lot of it is just like our self-consciousness, our unique ways of needing pleasure. It takes women some, there's only been a couple of studies, even though it's been thrown around a lot, the stat that it can take women up to 20 to 45 Mm -hmm. minutes to experience an orgasm with another person present during partner sex. And that's not 30 minutes of penetration. It's generally of arousing clitoral stimulation, either alone or coupled with penetration. Yes. Oh, I'm glad that you really clarified that because I've I've heard that thrown around as the orgasm gap. So thanks for clarifying. And yeah, thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I do. I can get off easier by myself. Not all the times. Um, I am very ADHD and I have a lot on my mind. I have the to-do list. I have like, I'm a go-getter attitude. So I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. Oh, I can't get there. I'm thinking of too many things. And one of my biggest tips was breathing, breathing and letting go of the, uh, I guess, achieving the goal and just enjoying it. What tips do you have of somebody who stresses about orgasming or, you know, doesn't achieve? What, what would you tell them? Well, sir, first of all, let's not use the word achieve because it it makes it like a goal. I'm setting this up as a goal. I like to use the word experience orgasm because it's less of a goal because we know the goal of experiencing orgasm is going to make it less likely. I got to come. I got to come. I got to come. And um, so first of all, get rid of that goal oriented mindset and mindfulness. What is mindfulness? It goes back to your breathing. It's putting your mind and the body in the same place. And we actually know the brain state right before orgasm is identical to the brain state of deep mindfulness meditation, because to experience an orgasm requires turning your thinking, evaluating, am I going to come? What about that phone call I forgot to return? How do I look? Is he having fun? And requires a total immersion in your body. So a lot of things I recommend is to learn mindfulness, practice it in your daily life. It's harder than you think because our minds do wander. That's their, their, they do. But knowing, really practicing, oh, there my mind goes again and bringing the mind back without judgment to your body sensations. Yes, I love that. And pleasure doesn't do well under pressure. <laughs> exactly. Pressure yep. and sex do not mix well at all. Yes. Mindfulness is sex's best friend. Pressure is its enemy. Exactly. Some of the things that I do as an ADHD person is I'll start my pleasure practice, like bring out a vibrator while I'm watching TV. So I kind of like don't overthink it because it might take me some time to feel turned on. And I'll just like place it there while I'm watching TV. And I'm like, zero expectation zero anything this helps me 
you know, I don't know if it will help you, but it helps me. And then once I start feeling aroused, then I'm like, ooh, okay, yeah. And then just feel the pleasure and let it build where it doesn't have that like stressor of, oh, I have to achieve Exactly. No goal orientation. Exactly. Yeah. And then last thing that I'd like to cover is the media. So I do see things changing. I'm watching these high schooler shows, high school, where usually I'd be turned off about high school, but oh boy, I see a lot more women's pleasure. There was this show called Ginny and Georgia. I just watched. I'm in the middle of watching it now. And these teenagers, like, I remember, I don't want to give too much away, but anyways, they show. I know the scene you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. They show like she does need to get pleasured first. She does need to build up and she's getting oral. And I'm just like, yes, they're showing oral, which was something that didn't really exist in movies. Yeah, I do think things are changing. And there's a great Instagram handle I follow called The Clit Test. And what they do is they rate TV shows and movies about does it pass the test or not in terms of its accurate portrayal of women's pleasure. And I'm certain that that scene in Jenny and Georgia would pass the test. I do think there we things are changing. Yeah, I love that. What kind of movies or shows don't? Past most, 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 I mean, most, most, I mean, it's, it's easier to name ones that do than that don't because there's most of them don't. Yeah. Especially the old ones, the right. older, like new, honestly, we're a little bit progressive, but yeah, most of the old ones is why I felt so wrong or something was exactly. wrong. Exactly. So this is, but even that a lot of it, they don't really show it and it's like implied but then she still has an orgasm during intercourse. So there's still, it's not, we rarely, I mean, there was actually, I mean, it's not about high school. It's just the opposite. Um, what was it? Some Leo Grand. I don't know if you watched that. Um, it's about an older woman who faked orgasm her whole marriage. Her husband dies and she hires like a male prostitute to learn how to orgasm. And it's, that really focuses on clitoral stimulation. Ooh. What was it called again? I think it's Goodbye Leo Grand or Hello Leo Grand. I can't remember. With okay. Emma Thompson. It's really good. Ooh, awesome. So ladies, check that out. And just know that you're not wrong for not getting off in five seconds. Like the movies show that, oh, just slamming against the wall. And now I'm just getting off. And then the guy leaves and the girl's good, I guess. <laughs> Exactly. Unrealistic. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Everybody listening, go check out her book, Becoming Clitorate. And where yes. do they find it? You can find it anywhere bookstore. Books are sold. Amazon, it's, you know, uh, paperback, Kindle, audiobook. Um, and also follow me on Instagram at my handle, please, Dr. Lori Mintz, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-M-I-N-T-Z. My website is the same handle. And from my website, you can link to Amazon, Barnes and Noble and all my social media as well. So thank you for um, for um, having me on.
Yeah, I loved having you. Go check it out. Go on Amazon. Um, I did hear on two other episodes or podcasts that you had a really good chapter for men and a really good chapter for women. What are those two chapters before we end this episode? Well, the whole book is for women, right? So, oh, okay. it, yeah, the whole book is written for women. There's a chapter, thanks for asking. There's a chapter on sort of unpacking the cultural aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Why do we have the gap? There's a chapter on learning about your body, one on sexual communication, masturbation, mindfulness, changing the sexual way we do things. And then there's the chapter I think you're talking about at the end. There's a chapter called You Don't Have to Have a Clitoris to Be Clitoris, which is a summary of the whole book for men who are having sex with women. Ooh, okay. Sounds juicy. Go check it out. And thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for having me on. All right. Like I said, this podcast episode was jam-packed with a ton of information and value. So if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends, your family, (laughs) your partner, whoever you think needs this information. Feel free to share a clip and tag me or screenshot and tag me at sexybizbabe on Instagram. And If you loved this episode, please go give me a follow, subscribe, and leave a review to help this podcast grow. And go join my sexy goddess extravaganza challenge. I'm doing a four-day challenge in my Facebook group, and we are going to be doing challenges and exercises in a sexy, seductive strip tease. So, so much fun will be going on in my Facebook group. So go check it out right now. The link is in the bio and I'm doing this for free. So again, go check out the link. We're going to have a ton of fun challenges and community and this group will continue to be up. So go check it out and have some fun with me. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, review, and share with your fellow biz babes. I'd love to hear your thoughts, takeaways, and questions. So leave me a review on iTunes. And until next time, I'll see you at the top. It's up to you to level up.